I reached over and refilled her glass. I called Dugan two days later to accept the offer. He's homesick with that bug, his secretary Sheila told me. Both he and the commissioner got them both. Looks like the department will be run by the secretaries for the next few days. It's no different than usual, I responded in kind. Now she laughed out loud. Shh, Dr. D'Amato, don't you give away our secret now. It's safe with me, don't worry. I was down in Chinatown a few days later on a boring case, but it wasn't a total loss. I loved the crush of people and textures and fruit stands. I used the opportunity to replenish my supply of green tea and persimmons. Anything more? The woman at the stand inquired in a lilting voice. She was hardly more than a girl, with a very sweet face. I shook my head no and gave her a twenty. She gave me two paper bags, my change, and started coughing her head off. That reminded me to put in another call to Dugan. Good timing. Sheila's voice crackled through my cell phone. He came back fit as a fiddle just this morning. The sun was close to setting on this crisp March afternoon, and I was finished with my business in Chinatown, so I decided to hail a cab and go over to Dugan's office. It could be useful for me to see the expression on his face when I accepted his offer, see if there was any true pleasure there. The traffic was worse than usual. I counted two water mains broken and three potholes the size of basketballs. Sheila was gone when I finally arrived, but Jack was still in his office. So, I see you're feeling better, I said, and took Jack's extended hand. I feel like a million bucks now. How'd you know? Oh, I guess Sheila told you I was sick. Right. I tell you, this was a nasty one. I tried to fight it on my own as best I could. I hate taking antibiotics and those new flu medications, but it got to the point where I was up all night coughing. The commissioner was pretty sick, too. He picked it up from me, I picked it up from him, who knows. But his doctor told him about some new antibiotic or something. Ninety-five percent guaranteed not to upset the stomach. Uh, that stuff gives me the runs, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, Dugan gestured to the available chair. Have a seat, Phil. Uh, what brings you to this exalted office? Well, I've decided to accept your offer, I replied. My offer? Dugan looked puzzled. Yeah, you know, what you told me last week about the task force? Dugan looked at me as if I were putting him on or confusing him with someone else. I haven't the vaguest idea what you're talking about. I had lunch the following week with a friend who was up from the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. The thing is, I think Dugan was completely sincere about not remembering our conversation, I said as I sipped the last of my tea. I had told Andy Weinberg what had happened in Dugan's office. Andy was in New York for a conference about the flu or whatever it was that was making everybody cough. Jenna had it full throttle now. I was beginning to feel a tickle in my own throat. But who knows, maybe that was just the power of suggestion. You sure? Andy responded. You've been telling me for years how the department supports you one day, acts like they have no faith in you the next. You sure this isn't just more of the same? Hell, I've been telling you for years that a forensic detective with your verve would be much happier down in Atlanta, haven't I? Yeah, but I like New York, even this cold weather in March. 
Andy shook his head in resignation. Well, at least you seem to be holding your own against this new bug. Better than I can say. Had me sick as a dog last month. Any chance it could cause some kind of memory loss? Nah, not very likely, Andy answered. It's some kind of flu. Definitely nothing worse. We haven't quite figured out the exact strain. It's popping up all across the country, which means it's almost certainly a natural occurrence, not a bio-warfare hit, thank God. But it can open the gate to bronchitis and pneumonia, like any flu. That's what we're concerned about. Of course, antibiotics can take care of the lung and bronchial infections if they're bacterial and the drugs are taken in time. But, no, I've never heard of any flu-induced amnesia. Strange things, those flu bugs, I mused. Killed millions in 1917 with no antibiotics for the complications. These days, when you get it, you just feel like you're going to die. And not everybody gets it. Some people get it every year, some get it every two or three or four years, and some hardly ever at all, with no rhyme or reason to the pattern. Tell me about it, Andy said. Even the worst epidemics knock out 10 to 20 percent of the population at most. Very destructive to business and social life, obviously, and potentially deadly to old people, anyone with a compromised immune system. But still, how come the other 80% get a free pass? And meanwhile, the new meds are apparently effective in stopping or diminishing the flu for 80 to 90% of the cases treated. Damn it, I was in that non-effective percentage. I took the inhalant less than a day after I first felt the fever, right in the prescribed time range, and I was still out of commission for a good 10 days. It didn't do much for Jenna, either. I said. She took the pill, made her sick to her stomach, but here it is almost a week later and she's still laid up and coughing. I looked at my watch. I better get home now and feed her a little chicken soup. I signaled our waiter for the check. Andy looked at me with a twinkle in his eye. Jenna? Who's she? Funny, I said. But something strange did happen to Dugan's memory. I could see in his face that it was more than just run-of-the-mill forgetfulness. Jenna was feeling better by the end of the week. At first, her cough had gotten worse. Her doc finally prescribed an antibiotic as a precaution, and, lo and behold, not only did she not contract bronchitis or pneumonia, but her cough had mostly subsided now, too. But if the cough was caused by the flu and the flu by a virus, then the antibiotic shouldn't have had any effect. Antibiotics snuffed bacteria, not viruses. Well, those kinds of things seem to happen all the time. Maybe it was just coincidence. Maybe the cough would have gone away anyway, regardless of the antibiotic. Or maybe it would have gone if all she had taken was a sugar pill. You up for something a little more adventurous for dinner tonight? I asked. I didn't have the heart to offer her another round of boiled chicken, even though my technique came straight from my late grandmother, the best cook in history. Jenna's eyes lit up and she patted her stomach. Absolutely. This Omnin was as good as advertised. She pointed to the sheet that had contained her antibiotic pills. One a day for five days. Under 5% of patients report any stomach disorders, the indications form advised. Should we try that place in Riverdale? She asked. Buena Vista? She nodded. You sure you can handle Italian? She nodded again. The food at Buena Vista's was delicious. I had a mouth-watering concoction of clams, calamari, shrimp, and mussels over linguine, and Jenna had a marvelous penne alla vodka. Our dry wine hit the spot, too. We walked slowly back to our car after dinner and drove back to Manhattan with the windows rolled down. Spring had finally arrived in New York City, with the evening temperatures in the low 60s. Let's take advantage of this heat wave and walk by the river, Jenna said. 
We parked near West 96th Street and walked down to the Hudson. Hyacinths were already in bloom, purple and white in the moonlight, and their perfume was intoxicating. I kissed Jenna, with the waves of the river lapping against the shore as accompaniment. Couldn't recall the last time I'd kissed her like this in public. Let's go home, she whispered in my ear. We were back in our bedroom in our brownstone on East 85th Street in 15 minutes. Jenna began unbuttoning my shirt and I her blouse. You sure you're up for this? I asked. She responded by unbuttoning more. Afterward, she lay in my arms, eyes closed but not sleeping. I kissed her gently and then said, Let's get married. Have some kids. We'd been living together for three years. It was time. She opened her eyes, flecks of green on violet. You sure you're up for this? She asked and smiled. Jenna was sound asleep the next morning. I slipped out of bed, showered, dressed, and ate breakfast as quietly as I could. I poked my head back in the bedroom and considered waking her, but she looked so peaceful asleep. I caught the clanking subway down to work. I realized that my throat had progressed from a tickle to an ache, but otherwise I felt great. I popped in a zinc lozenge and hoped for the best. Marriage is no small thing. Neither of us had ever been married before. I'd come close a few times, but no one had ever been like Jenna. I had trouble concentrating at work. Looking at dead bodies in pictures or the flesh was never my favorite part of the job, but today they seemed especially out of sync with my mood. You're a forensic detective, some little voice inside my head chided. Who cares about your mood? Live with it. I turned back to the pictures. Blonde, mid-twenties, strangled, stripped naked, found dead near Riverside Drive.